0: through 24, reads these words, Be glad, then, ye children of Zion. The first Sunday of this year, I read to you concerning the Dust Bowl. I read to you concerning uh, the the desert of Atacama, desert in northern Chile, that runs for 600 to 700 miles alongside the Pacific Ocean. Yet receives no blessing of rain when the world's largest bodies of water. I read how that in 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 just a uh, March the twenty sixth, two thousand fifteen, it rained there, and they received an equivalent of seven years worth of rain on that desert land. I talked about the Dust Bowl and how that 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 family in Oklahoma and the Panhandle there nineteen. 39, prayed for years for it to rain, and then it finally rained. Amen. Now we're going to come in here with Joel chapter 2 and begin to take up from that. Can we give Brother uh, James and Brother Mike and all them that has handled things a wonderful hand clap this morning? Uh, I know they're still working on this mic this morning. They've been working on it since I've got up here because they have to do it to my voice but uh, these new speaker systems and those that gave toward that. Uh, and our new video equipment is here that Brother Wynn helped take up that money for. And the video suite back here they're calling it. It's got all the new systems and little cameras there and there and there over here on the pen and all this so that we can be uh, get ready to be start putting our stuff. Uh, on television can you say amen we're going to be going into a television program amen isn't that wonderful let's give God praise for that amen those of you that don't know we took they took Brother the felt like taking up an offering and uh, they had already had like eight thousand dollars already toward all of it and uh, and in a matter of minutes they took up I think right at seventeen thousand dollars in about five minutes time to do all this and be able to put, uh, there was some already gave in, like I said, but to do all this and get us uh, up to par. And they have worked. I know the other night they worked all night into the night, until the next morning, didn't even go to bed uh, till the morning time and uh, getting this done. And so let's let them know they don't get paid to do that. They do it because they love this church. They have a burden for this church and a burden for the media ministry for that to be accomplished our live is, is enhancing and going to be enhanced. And also being able to do small clips to get that took care of. I mean, like nice little clips throughout, you know, on Facebook and stuff like that and on social media. Can we give them another hand clap of appreciation? That is not enough. Uh, not enough for all that they do to get that took care of. Be glad then, you children of Zion. And rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately. And he will cause to come down for you the rain. The former rain and the latter rain. In the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat. And the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. Can you say amen? Be glad then, I think you have, they're still trying to get that straight. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. History will record that the mega drought, that devastated the high plains throughout the Great Depression officially ended on the, in the early fall of 1939 as the rains finally returned to the parched land. It began to deal with that dust bowl that that family had suffered. So we begin to look at that, at this great nation that we live in, in this great church community, body of Christ, not just refuge but across the body of Christ, in this great city of enterprise and great county of Coffee County, and in our second location in Op, Alabama, the America that I love presently, spiritually lies in the death grip of another devastating drought, just like that dust bowl. Very different type of drought. Ours is a dust bowl of the spirit the most fruitful civilization the planet has ever seen withers and shrivels before our very eyes. Having fully embraced postmodern relativism, sexual revolution of Hinduism, and a pathion of false gods, our once verdant culture has become a moral Akatama desert, barren, powerless, just like that desert we described. Unable to sustain life, a desolate wasteland that at one time, not so very long ago, was history's greatest garden of human flourishing, this great nation. Many times as I've ministered in great churches across this nation and in my home church as well, I've asked the simple question, pastor and you, what are we doing the battle that we have. God has blessed us here at Refuge. And I'm going to deal with some of that just a second and talk to us personally. 85, will don't you listen to this coming from Barna and, 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 and their overlook of the church world. 85% of the churches in, in America today are in decline. 60% of everyone who will be born again in North America this year will have an experience in a church that is two years old or less. In the largest evangelistical denomination in America, the Southern Baptist Convention, baptisms were down 123,160 in 2020. The lowest number since 1919. The Barner Group says that if unchurched Americans were their own nation, if unchurched Americans were their own nation, they would be the eighth, largest nation on earth so the rain we so desperately need has a name one that hits modern ears as hopelessly old-fashioned and outdated we don't even hardly mention it and even more that name is revival it has been far far too long since we've seen the blessing poured out from heaven Just as rain is the only cure for drought, revival is our only hope for the current famine of faith. We must have revival. Yet I often wonder if anyone else has even noticed many of God's people, even the shepherds of his sheep. I want you to hear what I'm just going to say right here. I have this for them to put up. We have grown so accustomed, I want you to be able to see this, we have grown so accustomed to this dry and barren spiritual climate that we've come to view it as normal. We have grown so accustomed to this dry and barren spiritual climate that we've come to view it as normal. This position has grounded our power, stunted our growth, and rendered us harmless to the kingdom of darkness. Compromise will always take the pressure off. But the cost of spiritual retreat has led millions, listen to this, to a life of peaceful stagnation. Stagnant. We experience here on Sundays, Wednesdays, a move of God. I'm grateful. What we experience here on any given Sunday, in most Sundays and Wednesdays, and in our meetings, is heaven sent. But I'm afraid that we are spoiled. Our little spurts, one mom said to me recently that one of their children, they was asking about worshiping, and, and I had sent a video the other day and of them during camp meeting, one of my memories, and one of the moms, I sent it to several of the moms of the children, and one mom said, oh, I miss that liberty that they had as them kids. I miss them having that confidence to worship and praise one child said to, to a mom, they asked them concerning that and why you, have you know what's going on there, they said, these words, I don't want to be cringe. Worshiping like that, praising like that would make me cringe. Cringy is the statements they make. It reminds me very much of an old analogy of the frog. I'm going to see this again. I want you to get this. Will you say this with me? We have grown so accustomed to this dry, barren spiritual climate that we come to view it as normal. Are you having revival in your soul? Is your home having revival? It's not... One thing to come here and experience what you experience on Sunday. But is it happening in your home on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Is there a passion for the presence of God? Is there a passion for the rain, for revival in your home? Or have we grown so accustomed to this dry, barren spiritual climate that we've come to view it as normal, that we are just satisfied with the fact that we're drinking from the cup of this ministry. We view this as normal. this position has grounded our power. Say this with me. This position has grounded our power, stunted our growth, and rendered us harmless to the kingdom darkness. Compromise will always take the pressure off. The enemy wants us to to slow down. The enemy wants us to, if he can't stop us or cause us to quit, he wants us to wane in our, our desire, in our aggression. It's rendered us harmless to the kingdom of darkness. Compromise, always take the pressure off, but the cost of spiritual retreat has led millions to a life of peaceful stagnation. Is that where we are? Is that where you are? Is that where my home is? I'm in stagnation, but I'm in peaceful stagnation. It reminds me very much of an old analogy of the frog who at first is comfortable when placed in the kettle of warm water. He's okay with the, cold, of the warm water. And he begins to swim around until suddenly, without warning, he is scalded to death before he can jump to safety. They didn't throw him in boiling water. They got him used to the warm water, and then he swam until they kept turning it up a little at a time. Some have made peace with the sad, impotent state of modern Christianity. I was speaking to somebody last or Friday on the way home to the ball game that's uh, in 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 our lives, and, and I was speaking to them, and they were talking, and all of a sudden... I made a statement, and when I did, it shocked them, the statement I made, and they responded with a question, and I said, I am so sorry, and with a little bit of boldness in my heart, I said back to them before I knew it, that's because, I said, now, Pastor, I, I, you know better than this, because this is your field, Said, but, uh, and they made a statement, and I said, I am so sorry, but your belief is American Christianity and not biblical Christianity. I've not had that kind of boldness in a while with somebody that's not necessarily a church guard. I said, your belief is American. I say that in my preaching. But your belief has been, has been shaped by American Christianity. I said, you must know what the Bible says. I said, sin is, is, is not the definition that you think it is. You must ask. And he got very quiet. And for the first time in my relationship with him they asked me two serious questions concerning their own life because I got a little bold enough to, to state the, the question for them to really, wait, wait just a minute. I said, you need to know what the Bible says concerning your walk, concerning your life. I, I, I said, that's American Christianity. Sin is not the definition that American Christianity given you. It is Who is going to heaven? Whosoever doeth the will of my Father. Who is my brother or my sister? He who does the will of my Father. I said, the Bible says he's going to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I said, what have we done well? I said, what are you doing well? And what have you been faithful to? to his purpose, his will, and his plan for your life. Very quiet on the other end of the phone. And then he asked me two, some more questions. Because we are so desynthetized to, to, to what the Bible said, because we have been rocked to sleep by modern society, not really. We have made peace with a sad, impotent state of modern Christianity. Then he asked me this question, do you think God is not pleased with my life for not going to church on Sunday and choosing to do this? I said, your question is not. Now he's starting to ask questions concerning his own soul. And I said, you would have to ask yourself this question. It's not the fact that you didn't attend church in that season or that time of year for you. It's the fact is, why is it not a priority for you? The question is the desire of your heart. What are you prioritizing? What are you desiring? What, 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 where is your priorities at? It's because we have become, again, I'm going to say it again, made peace. It is so acceptable in our society. And it's not, Pastor, getting on to us this morning, this is where I'm at. I am so burdened and shaken from, from, from a, a, what God has spoke to me in my heart at the beginning of this year, the ending of the camp meeting or the in camp meeting and coming into this year about a passion for the presence of God. Reading and studying again this week, I'm reading about Moses and it shook me and stirred me and Joshua. And the Bible said Moses is praying and seeking the face of God and Moses' sons is nowhere to be found in the Scripture. Biblically, they're not there. And I've been reading to you concerning Enoch and and the lineage of Seth versus the lineage of Cain. The Lord in the Scripture writes two lines concerning the seven generation uh, 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 of Cain and all it says is that they built they, 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 they were very intellectual and they built and and God says nothing concerning the unrighteous, concerning Cain's lineage. He already says anything, but he spends several verses concerning the lineage of Seth and what they produced, amen, they prayed that they were, they were prayers, they were people amen that that, that birth ended up birth, birth, birth in Enoch, that lineage, and dealing with the fact, what am I leaving behind? a passion for the presence of god I, i've been in my mind again studying more for david's sake, for david's sake, for david's sake, for david's sake. Up to 360 something years, one of the last times the Bible records it is God said, I am doing this for David's sake. David prayed and had such a passion for the presence of God that it affected his generation up to 360 something years after he was dead. My praying right here, my worship right here, my life for the presence of God. For for not just to come to church, not just to be here, not just to come and enjoy what, what, what we get to enjoy and we get used to it and we become accustomed to it in our lives that we don't even realize what we have amen here are you with me amen but yet amen in my life is there a passion in me as a father for the presence of God is there a passion in you as a mother for the presence of God and number and I told you again last week I am blessed my children are blessed these children in this church we, that we have great kids and I'm very proud of them. They, they, they don't get into much hardly at all amen and we, we have got a good group of young people amen but, but why are you so stirred by? because I want to see somewhere like Joshua a passion for the presence of God the Bible said that Moses was in the temple Moses had pulled the tabernacle out from the congregation of Israel because of their stiff neck rebellious stubborn ways he wouldn't allow the house of God or the tabernacle of God to be among them he moved it outside and he went to pray on that mountain and God would call him in and he would talk to God face to face with the glory of God on his life and the Bible says all of a sudden in the middle of this, there's this young boy comes from nowhere and we know little about him, but he stays uh, uh, with Moses and he would climb up a little ways up the mountain and Moses would have it, but eventually, guess what? Joshua's desire for, for, for what God was speaking to Moses pushed Joshua. He At first he would only go in, in, in stages but then something. next thing we know the Bible said, amen, Moses entered that tabernacle and so does joshua and watch this the bible says that moses left and had to go minister moses left and had to go give the law moses left and had to go give his responsibilities because he's a man of god but the bible said that the young man joshua lingered he lingered He stayed. The Bible said he remained. Moses leaves to go do the responsibility, but Joshua remained. One one translation again, lingered. Oh God give us young people and young boys and young girls and you as families that say I thank God for the presence of God on this house. I thank God for the presence of God on the leaders and the elders of this house. But I'm going to linger because there's a passion in me for the presence of God there's a passion in me for the presence of God we get in a taste but I want to remain I want to linger curiosity got a hold of me as a young boy I was grateful for my pastor but I wanted what my pastor had I was grateful for my pastor's wife you heard me talking about her a few minutes ago she rocked my world in her life for God her passion for God I stayed in their home at times their passion. And i of curiosity. I want to know this God. I want to know him. And that's what I'm burning for right now in this church. That somewhere our youth group says, thank you, Lord, for what you're giving me from my parents and for the heritage of this house. But I want to get a passion for your presence. I want to get a passion for your movement, your spirit. I want to know you. Praise God. I don't want to be at peace with modern Christianity. Somebody say that with me. I don't want to be at peace with modern Christianity. Impotent, fruitless. God help us. Some have even wholeheartedly embraced and promoted it. We have drive through church and we're satisfied. We go through and get what we want in an hour, and it's gone. Let's get out of here and go back to our lives. They pride themselves in having so many services on Sunday. You don't have to do something on Sunday night so they can relax and rest, but the relax and rest is not. They're golfing. They're they're, they're finding something else to do. Boy, you're quiet on me today. They become satisfied with living without the life-giving reign of God as though it's normal, neither expecting nor desiring anything more. Satisfied, living without the life-giving reign as though it's normal because it's so accustomed to the people you work with. You see them, they go to church and get a little taste, amen, or get, get a little dab to do you, drive through, getting a amen, just add God a little to their lives. And if you're not careful, the enemy begin to, 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 to sweep you into deception to say that that's a stagnant, impotent, amen, fruitless, I don't want to be satisfied. I want more. I'm desiring more. I'm 48 years old. I should be happy. God's blessed me. My children are blessed. They're anointed. that God uses them. God's blessing in their lives. We as a church, God's blessing. God's help. We got God blesses us, and we and we we we. We we are a standard across social media in the group, in the groups that we worship with, amen. That, that look to us and more than what we realize, and watch us online more than what we realize. There's churches that have two thousand pastors that run two thousand that watch us online. I just had one of my elders from my past just called me. I didn't even know he had social media. I didn't even know that he even watched anything because they don't believe in, in television or anything so I didn't know they even had so. And he called me last week and he said, son I heard that raspy voice. I said well hello. He said I just want you to know I was listening to you New Year's Eve. And he said you really helped me praise God. Hallelujah. I'm grateful for where we are. And those things should be satisfying. But here's the thing. I don't I don't want to lose my passion for the presence of God. Hey, man, I don't want to lose my passion. After all, rainless Christianity is more orderly. It's more orderly. People things don't get out of control. See, I'm going to tell you right now. I would rather have people that I have to pull back than people I have to resurrect. I'd rather have people that's charismatic that have to say, we can put some boundaries here and we can put than having to resurrect people because there's no desire and no hunger in them. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. It's more orderly not to have the rain. It's not as messy. It's, It's way less messy. It doesn't make anyone uncomfortable. Amen. And comfort has become one of the chief gods of our nation. Amen, nation's new pathion of idols. Amen, our idols of this life. Amen, it's comfort, satisfaction. Don't move me, I'm satisfied. Lukewarm Christianity, it's not cold enough for me to get up and it's not hot enough for me to get up. But I can promise you, if it gets cold enough, you're going to get up and get a blanket. If it gets hot enough, you're going to pull blankets off and go turn on the air conditioner. But we're satisfied and we're comfortable. Where we're not, I I don't want it bad enough to get up. I I I, I don't desire it enough to get up. And comfort has become one of the idols of the church. We have religiosity, to be sure, in abundance. But in most quarters, this little more than what Paul called to Timothy as having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. We have such church going to, although not nearly as much as years past. Am I boring you today? Praise God. Hallelujah. I, 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 want, you, I want you to see this. The Bible says to us, Amen. Numbers chapter 3. Amen. Are you, are, you, are you with me? Or Deuteronomy chapter 3. Praise God. Deuteronomy chapter 3. The Bible says in verse number 1, Deuteronomy chapter 3, James, if you have that, follow me with the amplified. I want you to stay with me just a little while. Then we turned and went up the road to Bashan. This is Moses writing in Deuteronomy here. Everybody say in Og. Say it loud, in Og. King of Bashan came out against us. He and all his people to battle Edrei. And the Lord said to me, do not fear him for I have given him. I need you to be excited over this before you find out who he is. (laughs) He says to him, do not fear him. For I've given him and all his people and his land into your hands. You shall do to him as you did to Zion, king of Amorites, who lived at Hespron. So the Lord our God also gave into our hands. Everybody shout, Og, king of Bashan and all his people. And we smote him until not one. Was left to him. Not one person was left, and we took all of his cities at that time. Not was that there was not even a city which he did not take. We did not take from him. We took all of. our think it was sixty something villages and cities. They not only took the king of Og, but they took sixty something villages and cities. Not one of Og's people was left. Somebody say, "Amen." There was not a city which we did not take from them. 60 cities, there it is. The whole region of Og, of the, the kingdom of Og in Bashan. All these cities were fortified, or fortified, watch this, with high and haughty walls. Are y'all listening to me? High and haughty walls, gates, and bars. But God gave us all of them, besides a great many unwalled villages. And we utterly destroyed them as we did to Zion, king of Hesbon, Utterly destroying every city, men, women, and children. But all the cattle and the spoil of the cities we took for booty for ourselves. So we took the land out that time out of the hand of the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan from the valley of Arnon to Mount Hebron. The Zionines called Hermon, Zaran, and the Amorites call it Zanur. All the cities of the plain and all of Gilead and all of Bashan as far as Zalekah and Edariah, cities of the kingdom of Og and Bashan. For only, watch this, the last king that Moses is saying that we had to fight and take is Og. For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of the gigantic Rephraim. Behold, his bedstead was of iron. Is it not in Rabbah of Ammonites? His bedstead was nine cubits was its length and four cubits its breadth using the cubit of a man, the forearm to the end of the middle finger. When we took possession of this land, I gave to the Reubenites and the Gadonites the territory. Amen. He says we take it. God gave us this city. God gave us all God gave us all of. Them. And we'd end up destroying every last one of them. And so when you're studying the kings that Moses and them destroyed and took over, all of a sudden you're this is the last one. And the Bible says you begin to try to study those giants. And and, 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 and what about them? And what, what what did it have analogy to us spiritually? And the only thing that you can find concerning og is that his bed was made of iron amen and was 13 are, are, are you with me amen was made 13 or nine cubits was his length and four cubits was his breadth you begin to look at that in the modern terminology amen and, and it reads like this and ah king of bashan was the last remaining refiite his bed made of iron was 13 feet long And six feet wide. His bed was 13 feet long, and his bed was six feet wide. That's all we read. We don't read about his warring. I mean, his warring. He was a warrior. We don't read how, how powerful he was. All we read is he had a bed that was 13 feet long and six feet wide. Amen. What is God saying to us through the scripture? That the last giant that we have to attack and bring down more fierce and stronger than all the others is a bed. It's comfort. It's satisfaction. It's lukewarmness. He said that's going to be the last giant that you have to attack Amen. That you have to defeat, that you have to bring down. Oh, somebody help me right now. We can handle the warriors, we can handle the giants that fall us with swords, but we can't handle the giant of just being satisfied, just being happy where we are. But God said to Israel, I have given you Og. Oh, and all of his inhabitants. I've gave you all 60 cities. Uh, Somebody needs to lift your hands and say, we're going to defeat Og. If it's the last thing I do as a father, amen. I want you to hear me right now. You get a passion for the presence of God and you go after the war with Og. Amen. You're not going to have to fight pornography in your house. Uh, You're not going to have to fight uh, all the other stuff in your house. Come on, somebody. The presence of God uh, will drive that out. Are you hearing me? But I come to tell you, we are hopeless without the move of the presence of God in our house. Hallelujah. You are no match for the enemy. Somebody lift your hands and say, we got to have the presence of God. Your little spells that you go through three weeks I've just been, Amen. Just, just nothing. And then you get fired up for two Sunday. That's got to go. That's not going to make it in this hour, Amen. That's not leaving a heritage. That's not affecting your family, your children, your grandchildren. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. That preacher preached Thursday night. Amen. Uh, one of the most powerful messages. It's just unreal. And he dealt with the, uh, the, the city of God. And the LAs called it the elevated city. And he talked about how when we pray, we get a, in the spirit. He's talking about the Jerusalem. He broke it down, how the presence of God is like Jerusalem. broke down the city, and he talks about it in Revelations. And he got this power of it so deep, I can't go into it right now without having written wrote down to just explain it all to you. But he talks about when we enter the presence of God, the length, the height, the depth, and the breadth of that city. It's just as it's just as wide as it is tall. Amen. As it is long. And, and, and everybody four squares. Uh, it's got 12 foundations in that city. It's just as deep as it is high. And he brings it all out and he starts talking about, amen. When we pray, amen, we get it, it, it's just too deep for you for me to explain it all. But he talked about how we get in the spirit and we pray that we move at the speed of God because uh, God is not trapped in time. And he said when we get the spirit we pray when we get in the spirit and get the presence of God we pray in God's speed Uh, that means we we can go in forward in prayer and behind us in prayer we can go back and uproot stuff we can go back and uproot things uh, and then we can go into the future to our great grandchildren and pray the blessing of God on their lives hallelujah This ain't just for you and your survival. You need to lift your hands and say, I will be more than a survivalist. I will be more than surviving week by week by week by week. We will thrive. We will conquer. We will be overcomers. And we will bring disciples with us. Listen to what Pastor Vista say to you very, very, very tenderly. It's the will of God for you to be carrying out the purpose of God. You're born again filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost. He didn't say if but he said go make disciples. Are you living in a Revival in your life to you are in that next level of making disciples. Why are we quiet? Because that's the standard. That's 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 the word of God, it's not mine. It's Jesus' word it's not an option it's not put on the spiritual of the church it's not the 12 spiritual people in this house right. i'm born again I feel the Holy- well, where are we at pastor if we're not because we are in the part in the middle where we are struggling and some of you are some of you are checking out on me in your mind and your heart because you look and see that, and I'm going to tell you something, you're grading yourself from the, from, from, from the cold religiosity of modern Pentecost today. And you're saying you're just fired up and you're just stirred up and you just, but that's not the normal for most Pentecostals. You better grab your Bible, climb in your closet with sincere heartfelt prayer. And you need to start asking God, show me in the book of Acts. You don't judge yourself to the rest of the Pentecostal churches in this city, the Pentecostal friends and you're, that you work with that sips a little bit and ain't nothing wrong with that. They say, come on somebody that still follows along with the world and there's nothing wrong with that. Hey, man, you, you need to get the book of Acts because I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy has rocked us so to sleep that we have become accustomed to things that are not normal as they are normal to us. Come on, somebody. Are you listening to me this morning? it's, it, it's satisfactory, or it's not satisfactory, but it's become the norm, and we're satisfied. You need to get the book of Acts and bring it down. Say, Lord, show me, show me Luke, show me, sh- show me Mark, show me John, show me Matthew. Amen. Lord, do I have a passion for your presence in my house? Do I desire you? And when we're somewhere caught in between the struggle and the battles, and all we do is struggle our lives, and we're not making disciples. The Bible didn't say, if you want to, once you get there. He said, go make disciples. He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Faithful to what? Faithful to survival? Amen. Come on. But what I'm trying to show you is this. Amen. You won't have to focus on survival when you're going after the presence of God. When the presence of God is what's driving you and moving you. Because I'm telling you right now. The battles you're facing, God help me while I preach, because I am so, I am so. I've had two or three of my intercessors say, "Pastor, you're preaching under such a heaviness," because I am telling you, I am very burdened. Because some of you are not fighting battles yet. You are not fighting battles in your children yet, and you see no need for fervency right now. You see no need for fervency right now, but I am telling you as I am in navigation in the spirit with the Lord right now that there is things that has not hit the navigation of your radar yet. Come on somebody, I'm here. You better hear me. You better hear me. Hallelujah. Praise God, because I am telling you, you're about, you're gonna come into some places and that's not fear tactics. Come on, that Me Too movement that's out there, come on, I'm telling you, you better rise, grab you a Bible, amen, because I'm telling you, the spirit of this age, it's not anti-doctrine, it's not anti, amen, I'm trying to get you into Muslim, trying to get you this, it's this, this right here. Just be satisfied, just be happy where you are, amen, just be comfortable. Ah, wants to rock you to sleep on his 13-foot bed, his 6-foot bed, and you just be happy. But I'm telling you the battles that we're facing, the culture that is rocking to sleep, the church world, little by little, we've got to have the move of the Spirit of God. And I'm not just talking about a chill bump or a shout or a dance, but I'm talking about the holy presence of God that can evicts of sin. You that are backing up, I'm telling you, God help me, the fact that you're backing up lets me know there's an absence somewhere of the move of the spirit of God in your heart and your life and in your home because we're backing up from conviction and backing up from scripture and backing up for stuff that God's dealt with us about because he's rocked us to sleep. We must have a passion and when we do, we'll have a passion for the presence of God and for the word of God that convicts of sin praise God we are rocked to sleep we are rocked to sleep and awed with the lukewarmness are you with me this morning the Bible says the last church in Revelation chapter 2 Revelations chapter 3 is the church of Laodicea, laity controlled, not spirit controlled, laity controlled, not spirit controlled, we begin in the spirit but we end it in the flesh, laity controlled, not spirit controlled, Jesus is standing outside that door knocking, saying let me in, that's what he says, the last day church we're going to face. Jesus ain't even in his own church. He's on the outside of it. What are they guilty of? Whoredoms? No, what are they guilty of? Read it. They're neither hot nor cold. They're medium. That's how the enemy's fighting in the last days. He teaches us this. But Moses tells us through the prophetic word of God that for those that desire it, he's given us all. He's given us the cities of Og, all 60 cities, Brother Courtney. Praise God. In my house, in my life, I can defeat Og, and I've got a promise that I can defeat every city of Og, that not one of it's left in my house. I want to destroy lukewarmness. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Pastor, if your kids live good. Yes, they live good. That's great. But it ain't going to be enough to face what we're facing. Hallelujah. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. Amen. You notice as your kids desire to be in the altar. Your kids desire to worship. You and you your own self. Hallelujah. You and your own self and your own life. Because you can't expect your ch- children to do it if it's not there for you. But a passion for the presence of God. I would to God this last week of this 21 days of separation that we all just say, you know what? At 9 to 10 tonight, one hour for the next week, for the next seven days, we're going to call a prayer meeting in the living room. We're going to shut our phones off and shut everything down and we're going to lay on the floor and we're going to weep before God because as for the Atkins house, we're going to have a passion for the presence of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. In just just a year, all three, uh, the three of the oldest, amen, so James, three of the oldest are going to be in college. I'm going to tell you something. Amen. When Kelly went to UAB, amen, she has a walk with God. Amen. She she has dedication. But I'm going to tell you. Amen. That, that that hellhole of liberalness, uh, amen, bombards their lives, bombards their minds. Uh, and they're not tempted to go have fornication with the rest of them. And they're not tempted to go do drugs. And they're not tempted to do alcohol. But it's a little bit of pieces here and a little pieces there that says you're okay. You're all right. Uh, the fact that you didn't want to go to church today, it's okay. It's all right. The fact that you didn't get up and hunt somewhere to find somewhere to worship, it's all right come on somebody I'm going to tell you as spiritual as she was it's a battle it's a battle it's a struggle hallelujah what's it going to do you got to have a passion for the presence of God hallelujah 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 you should be happy pastor I am happy I'm proud of them but I'm telling you right now It's going to take more than just what I've driven in them. (laughs) It needs to wake you up if your children don't have a desire for God. And I, I talk about mine because I can, I don't want to talk about yours. But I thank God for the lack of stuff I've had to deal with in my home, and it's the help from God and the grace of God. Then why are you so stirred up over, Pastor? Because I've told him, okay, you don't want to see a passion for the presence of God in your life, that hunger, folks. I lived in hell. And I prayed and I sought the face of God. I had to fight rap in the bedroom, country music in the living room, a bonfire in the backyard, drugs and alcohol. Hallelujah! my friends coming and hanging out in the backyard to get drugs and alcohol because and alcohol my stepfather said I would way rather them be here with me in the backyard than riding the streets of this city and getting killed and drunk driving accidents so he thought if he gave them the drugs and helped them with their alcohol he that was his mentality that's the hell hole that I lived in are you understanding me praise God but I'm going to tell you something in that 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 double wide trailer Hallelujah, I had a passion for the presence of God. The refrigerator filled with Budweiser Miller. My, my friends would come home from me with church. My friend, church friends would come home. And they would look at me with saved families, homes that had godly moms and dads. And they'd look at me and say, how do you live in this? And, and have what you have. Hallelujah. I don't live in this. I live in a home. But I'm going to tell you, that's what I'm trying to wake you up right now. That that spiritual home become a lax, lazy, comfort taken for granted. Because they didn't have to fight for it. See, they said to me last weekend, he said, Pastor. He said, I laid in Glen St. Mary floor as a teenage boy and wept for hours. For the presence of God. Because we didn't have it. He said my children don't know that. I said that's exactly where I'm at. Amen. We, I, we spoiled you because we've helped fight to bring it to you. We've helped fight to get it here. But somewhere you got a tag. You got a tag it and say I got to have it for my life. I lived in that and had a passion for the presence of God. I had to get up and I had to set my own clock on Sunday mornings. I didn't have nobody to wake me up. I need a Holy Ghost alarm to go off in your mind and heart right now all over this house. That says I'm not, my kids ain't struggling with this and this and our house ain't struggling with this and that. But it's struggling with the lack of desire right now. And a lack, I'm not talking about just having a desire, I'm talking about a passion for the presence of God. i got to have the move of God, i got to have the presence of God. Hallelujah, i got to hurry. Amen, hey, somebody say, Og. Oh. Hey, Amen, we got to defeat Og. Oh. I'm not just happy, I, I, I want a passion for the presence of God. Are, are you with me or am I born yet? During the COVID pandemic lockdowns of 2021, millions of American believers become deceived. Believing they can do church on the sofa in their pajamas. So easy, so undemanding, so complacent, so convenient, so benumbed and bleak, so backslidden. I'm going to tell you, you, if you are satisfied watching it online at the house, you are not where you need to be. sit down and have a meeting with me and let's talk about it and let's discuss scripture I can promise you before we're done it won't be what pastor says it'll be what the word of God teaches the enemy knew I'm going to tell you as a pastor I wasn't ready for COVID I had prepared for terrorists I had prepared for guns coming in getting my heart ready as a pastor in a church to make you ready but I wasn't ready for being amen Stuck at the house. I wasn't ready for what COVID would bring in the shape of COVID. Many shall give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. (laughs) That's not Muslim. I'm not afraid you're going to become Muslim. I'm not afraid that you were going to become Buddhist. But many shall give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils that should wake you up and stir your heart. So easy, so undemanded, so complacent, so convenient, so benumbed, so bleak, so backslidden. Most churches have since reopened, yet many who claim the name of Christ have opted to continue making the couch their permanent church home, complete with snacks and multitude of interruptions. You got a little woman sitting in that house watching me right now with tears streaming down her face this morning because she couldn't get here. Of those who do venture out of the house on Sunday, may many seek out the most sickly produced show in town. And there's hundreds of them in this city. It's just a show. The countdown comes on, the lights go down, and the lights start flashing, and all the strobe stuff comes on. It's just a show. And we find the best show in town that entertains my family, entertains my children. Then led by a motivational speaker. Willing to provide a therapeutic brahmides that comfort rather than convict and flatter rather than force a confrontation with your flesh, your stubbornness. I'm not belittling anybody. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's a a fact. It's on me every week. It's on me every month. If you compromise a little bit, if you weren't so tough, you'd be filled this house. You'd have to have people all the way to the back. If you'll just let up. Hallelujah. If you'll just compromise. uh, If you'll just give in. If you just will not require. If you just wouldn't worry about where people are. If you wouldn't try to stir them. If you wouldn't try to shake them. Just make them feel comfortable and happy and go to the house oh i can almost hear their rebuttal now they chide don't condemn me i don't want condemnation a natural response when the church has replaced that convicts me with that offends me that offends me pastor no you should be saying that convicts me pastor No longer do we realize that conviction is to our spirit what pain is to our bodies. Not the enemy. Conviction's not the enemy, but rather an indication that an enemy has invaded our house. An enemy has invaded my life. Praise God. I've told you this the other day. If I'm stepping to the creek to baptize and I step in that water, brother Chuck, I go to get in that water and a piece of glass cuts my foot. Amen. And I, it cuts the main artery in my foot. I'm bleeding out. It's running out the bottom of my leg. My blood is pumping. I baptize for an hour or 45 minutes. My blood is slowly running out of my, head, my leg. Next thing you know, I'm going to just sink down in the water and pass out because all my blood leaking out of my body but the moment I step on that piece of glass pain screams to my foot to my brain something's happened something's not right something's wrong it screams the hurt screams. The pain screams. It's not comfortable. I'm screaming. I'm crying. I jump up. I stagger out of the water. You wrap it up. You rush me to the hospital. Sister Corey and them, these nurses and Sister V is trying to tie it so the blood don't run out and rushing me to the hospital. You'll know why. If they don't, I'm a dying man. If they don't, I'm a dying. But pain tells me, wake up. If there's no conviction in your life, you have no clue where you're bleeding at. If there's no conviction in your house, you have no clue what's bleeding in your home. (laughs) Lift your hands all over this house and say, I want a passion for conviction. Convict me. Conviction, Brother Chuck, I'll check you three days before you struggle on the third day and fall back. Conviction, say, Chuck, watch this. Cut, Chuck. And you'll go to getting yourself prepared so you're able to stand on the third day and say no. Hallelujah. Conviction, i wake up and say, you're starting in your cycle. Amen. Are you hearing me? Austin, you're starting in your cycle. Travis, you're in your cycle. Come on, somebody. Help me while I preach. You'll find people in this church that's happy and comfortable, and you huddle up and cuddle together. I'm telling you, you, better throw your hands up and find some people that bring conviction to your life. That bring conviction. Somebody lift your hands. I, I want conviction. I want conviction in my house. Stir me, God. It'll bring pain. I'm telling you right now. I hope to God, I'm telling you, I pray all the time when I feel a little change in here. Do I need to check this out? Because I don't wait to the massive heart attack, and I'm dying from a good heart that's dying because I didn't get checked weeks before when it went through a little pain. Pain tells me something's wrong, conviction tells me something's wrong. Without pain, one could cut his foot on a broken piece of glass and bleed to death walking on a beach. Likewise, without the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, one can live in sin and perish without Christ. I dare you to lift your hands and sincerely from your heart say, Holy Ghost, bring your light like David said and search me, O God. Search me. Search me. Search my mind. Search my heart. Search my soul. In a drought-stricken, rain-deprived culture, openly hostile to biblical faith, and Mount Sinai's immutable ethical standards, God's image bears in this earth. His royal priesthood, His holy nation are more comfortable simply going along to get along. His peculiar people aren't at all peculiar in the eyes of pagan, godless society. We often don't look, speak, walk, or live any differently than those bound for eternity separated from God in a place of torment that your Bible still calls hell. I'm closing. I'm not near where I need to be. But somebody say this with me right now. I need, I, I need, I need some. some wall watchers I need some midnight watchers right now that'll holler with me we are now beyond desperation (laughs) we are now beyond desperation We are beyond desperation. Come on, lift your hands and say, Lord, make me a disciple maker. Somebody lift your hands and say, I don't want to be just a good image. (laughs) Praise God. Sister Kathy sent me a message this morning. They told me, when, or told me last Sunday, they sent me a message this morning. Sister Kathy, James, I'm getting ready to go to Joshua 3, and I'm closing. Sister Kathy sent me a message this morning, and her message was from what she told me Sunday night. Which brother is it? Yeah. Which, the older, younger, middle? It's right under her. She has prayed, and he, he has had no inkling to church but after all these years he's got saved. Hallelujah. And he called Sister Kathy and told her and he was so beside herself she said, "Greg, let me go so I can go worship. I'll be back in a little while." She says you went and had herself a time with the Lord. Brother Grady said I waited for a few days before I called him and said, "Hey, buddy. What happened to you?" He said, "Grady, he just told him the story. Grady said, by the time he got through telling me his experience, without a doubt, you know it's real. But she sent me that picture this morning. She said, Pastor, we're on our way to church. They were in front of her. He's, he's got over 12 or 17. Okay, 12? She, I think she said 12 or 17. Something is was, was one of those numbers. She said, he's got 12 lost family members going with him this morning. He said, Kathy, please pray. That the Lord would deal with their hearts. Praise God! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! It pays to pray. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you when Josiah's accident happened. It would Sister Kathy didn't have time to get in the Spirit. She didn't have time to have to pray through junk to get to the Spirit. She didn't have to have time to pray and get rededicated to the Lord. But but, but, but when that electricity hit that boy and should have took his life, he meant he accept, he said, he, in the middle of that he woke up and seen the Lord reach out his hand and grab him by the hand. It was God bringing him back from death to life. Uh, hallelujah. But I, amen, we were there. I'm telling you, those of you that were there, that woman of God was marching around that bed, quoting scriptures and talking in the heavenly language. You gotta have more It's a lifestyle and it may take years, praise God, but God's gonna get their attention. Somebody lift your hands right now. So I wanna leave a legacy behind. I'm finished. I want us to go to Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Is this King James James? Give me King James, then we'll go to these. I'm done. Come on, CJ. I'm going to tell you something. I'm so messed up over this scripture right here. I want you to look at me. If God's ever given me a word for you as a body of people, this is it. This is a word from heaven. Don't you read it out loud with me? Mean, Joshua rose early in the morning and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the Israelites, and lodged there before passing over. Guess what? The boy that lingered, the boy that stayed, not Moses' sons. It tells me, Coleman, you ain't got to be my son nor my grandson to be a successor you just got to have what you had at you can, what you got now in your life I'm not saying you don't have it now but I'm talking about that passion for the presence of God Francisco all you got to have is that curiosity and that passion that says I'm lingering Brother Darrell what I would do <laughs> what I would do to go back to Op Alabama and Babby community and be Joshua. Because now I'm having to leave the tent to come do my responsibility as a husband, as a father, and as a pastor. What I'd do to be your age and be a lingering Joshua in the presence What I'd do to crawl in the back seat and go to camp meeting with my man of God. He's in the grave now. Unpack his clothes, Sister Denise. When we get there, my pastor's wife followed us down the dirt road. They hugged three times before they could leave. I said, Y'all, a bunch of, y'all messed up. They hugged three times, had to roll his window down. I said, we only going to be gone three days. And lo and behold, if every piece of clothes he took out of that crazy suitcase had a note tag to it. I love you, baby. Praying for you to preach good. Well, I learned so much. What I do, not to have no responsibility, but to I'm not talking about just learning with the ears. Joshua didn't just learn with the ears. He got a passion for the presence of God. And now here he is. He's took over. Moses is dead. Watch this. Because this is, this is where God has spoke so vividly in my heart. And then again this week, reiterate. You ready? After three days, the officers went through the camp You ready? Commanding the people. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being born by the Levitical priests. Set out from where you are and follow it. Stay there James. When you see the ark. The Levite priests come out with the ark. Everybody hear me? Set out from where you are and follow it. That's how. No matter where you are, set out. It don't matter. For three days, or maybe more than that, they gather the people together. It took them almost three or four days to get them in ready to move. And Joshua says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant come out, you Follow. You get up from where you are. Everybody shout, from where you are. Oh, you are to lift your hands right now because of the grace and the mercy of God. That says no matter where you are, just from where you are, when you see it, set out from where you are and follow it. Follow it. Verse 4. Yet a space must be kept between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near it, that you may be able to see the ark and know the way you must go. Here's the word. For you have not passed this way before. Daddy. 2,000 cubits, it's about 1,000 yards, it's about a half a mile. God says, start from where you are and follow it. But don't you get closer than 1,000 yards or half a mile. Why, Sister Lisa? Why, Brother Bill? Why, Brother Scott? God is saying, Brother Michael, stay a half a mile away so you can see which direction I'm going. If I start cuz if you're 3 million and you're in that you're in that crowd somewhere and that arc starts to go to the right, you need to see it a half a mile in front of you. So you know it's time to start moving your crowd to the right or your crowd to the left. Somebody lift your hands and say, I got to get in position. I got to get in position. Why, Sister Becky? Because we ain't never passed this way before, Chastity. We ain't never passed this way before. Why, them two babies is fisting the face in this culture, we ain't never faced before. The culture that they're being raised in, being cats and dogs, not let alone bisexuals and everything else. Come on, I'm telling you, we ain't never passed this way before. So I need to lift your hands right now and say, we ain't never been here before. Come on, give it to me in the Amplified. I'm done. I'm hurrying, hurry. Hallelujah. And the other translation. Amen. Joshua's up early and on his way from Shittim and all the people of Israel with him. He arrived at Jordan, Camp. Before crossing over, after three days, leaders went through the camp and gave out orders to the people. Everybody say it with me. When you see the covenant chest of God, your God, carried by the Levitical priest, somebody say, start moving. Follow it. Make sure you keep proper distance between you and it, about a half a mile. Be sure now to keep your distance, and you'll see clearly the route to take. You've never been on this road before. never been on this road before. I'm going to tell you as a pastor, we I've never had to face the stuff we're facing today. I cannot pastor from what I've experienced in the past. We've never been here before. i got to go back to the Spirit. I can't just go off what I know. i got to go back to the Spirit. I may lift your hands all over this house. Say me, God, my house, God, when we see the covenant. Do I got any, any fire watchers that want to help me watch the fire at night? Do I got any cloud watchers that want to help me watch the cloud? Brother Bill, you know what that is? Said, you, you can be a cloud watcher. You know what a cloud watcher is? If that cloud started to move. God said, told him, said, when the cloud starts to move, you let me know. And Moses would blow the trumpets. It meant it's time to meet. And Moses would say, the clouds are moving. Praise God. It didn't matter if it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It didn't matter. If you was a fire watcher at night, cloud watcher by day, fire watcher by night, three o'clock in the morning, if that cloud starts to move, uh, you better, Brother Courtney, let let Moses know. Anybody want to be a fire watcher, that'll wake the camp up at three o'clock in the morning and say, man of God, the clouds are moving. Man of God, the fires are moving. Why? Our future depends on the move of that cloud. Brother Ed, and the move of that fire. I need some daddies in this house that'll stand to your feet right now as we've done every Sunday since the beginning of this year. And say the cloud's moving. Come on, the fire's moving. Come on, every, every father in this house. Stand to your feet right now and say the cloud's moving. The fire's moving and i got to move. Praise God. Oh, you might have struggled, Brother Scott, and the one in between you and here. You might have battled and struggled. But I can promise you, it works. I know he's asleep, but you've got to keep him in the presence of God. My grandparents didn't make all the best decisions in the world, but they did take me to church. Every Sunday they could. It It matters. Praise God, and God to work on the other. Praise God, are you hearing me? Come on, the clouds are moving. Come on, I want to hear you. The clouds are moving. You need to tell your wife, tell your children right now. The fire's moving, guys. We gotta have a passion for the presence of the Lord. Come on, tell your family right now. The clouds are moving. The fire's are moving. Praise God. Now tell them, say we gotta move. Come on, tell them, tell them we gotta move. Come on, tell your family, children, right there with you. We gotta move we got to move. The clouds are moving. The fires are moving. If yours is not here, it's all right. Amen. Now, now, now the rest of us, let's stand all over this building and say, we got to have a passion for the presence of God. The enemy is not drugs and alcohol. The enemy is not cigarette smoking. The enemy is not pornography. The enemy is being satisfied. The enemy is being settled. The enemy is being at peace with normality of Christianity, religiosity. I want a passion for the presence of God. If that's you, I want you to start. Come on, bring your family with you. Come on, bring your family with you. As we get into this, the third week of this separation, we're going to have some prayer meetings. I'm not telling you you got to pray every night at 9 to 10, but I'm asking you to get your family together and have some prayer meetings this week, every night for the next seven nights, starting tomorrow night till next Sunday, Monday through Saturday night, have a prayer meeting. Get them all in the room and you pray with each other. You pray together. And lead them in prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're gonna have revival in our house. Oh, I want a passion for the presence of God. I gotta have a passion for the presence of God. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. We ain't never been this way before. We ain't never been this way before. We ain't never been this way before. We ain't never never came this way before. We ain't never been this way before. We ain't never been this way before. We got to have the Holy Ghost to help us. We ain't never been this way before. We ain't never been this way before. I'm telling you, this grabbed me like a freight train this week. We ain't never been this way before. When you see the ark moving, get up from where you are and move with the ark. Come on! I gotta navigate my house. I gotta navigate my house. I gotta navigate my house. Come on, stir my house, Lord. We we are in a Holy Ghost filled church, but Lord, I don't want to just be spoiled and have it in my house, or in my church on Sunday. I I want it in my house. I want it in my house. I want it in my house.
1: I want it in my house, I want it in my home, I want it in my house,
0: my home. Oh We ain't never been this way before. You gotta get your sights on the presence of God on the Ark of the Covenant. You gotta worship in spirit and in truth. You gotta have the Word of God, the truth and spirit. It's not enough just to have the knowledge of it, you gotta have the spirit of it.